I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903-586-6520. If you would like to support the ministry here at Fellowship Bible Church, we would greatly appreciate that as well. To give one time or on a regular basis, you can text GIVE to 903 903- 586-6520. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible-believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. You ever watched a movie where the circumstances start out bad and they never get better? Might even get worse. A story with no happy moments, little to no redeemable characters. Every now and again, Hollywood will release a movie like that. It's normally the movie that gets the best reviews and is nominated for the most awards. And while many of us do not prefer movies like that, while they leave us empty, sometimes disturbed, and of course unsatisfied, These are normally the stories that are truest to life. The reason why is because we live in a broken and fallen, sin-stained world. The book of Judges ends in this way. You have your Bibles turned to Judges chapter 17. We are continuing our study through the book of Judges. And as we finish up this study, we cover some of the darkest chapters in the book, and in all of Scripture. I mentioned last week that these chapters are so dark and difficult that many stop after Samson's story, or they'll just give a a one-sermon summary of the last five chapters. But I said last week, I'm still young enough and uh, um, bold enough, I guess, to uh, cover those. Actually, I'm just sticking to what we've done throughout the book, which is go through the book, chapter by chapter and and verse by verse. We're going to take a journey, we said last week, into the basement of rock bottom in the book of Judges. We took a few steps down last Sunday by taking a closer look at the religious mess that exists within and the moral mess that exists between in, in, in within one particular family, and today we will examine their influence. We talked about their influence on one another last week, but we're going to see their influence on a religious leader, and we're going to see that, that religious leader's negative influence on other religious leaders and a rebellious group of people. Last week, I I brought up the question of what brings about the downfall of a society. First, we discussed the evils in individuals. That's the first point again this morning. We studied the story of Micah. It's not the prophet Micah. This is much earlier than that. Micah is just your average everyday guy that the author of Judges chooses to focus in on to really show us the impact of one individual life in the world, okay? 
We learn that Micah, while he could have made things better and the, the, the circumstances better around him, he instead made decisions that made matters much, much worse. He was a thief and an idolater. He was a taker instead of a giver and was entitled and selfish. And while, while Micah, by, by the grace of God, could have responded in a way that brings glory to God in this dark, difficult time, he makes matters much worse by his actions and we learn that not only was Micah evil but those within his family were as well and that's point number two we see the evils in family we learn in Micah's story that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree his mother raised him to show a blatant disregard for the commands of God now now he's responsible right but he has also wicked influences in his life, we learn that Micah's mother, too, was a wicked idolater. While he was a sinner deserving of punishment, she blessed her son, even though he wasn't repentant from stealing from his mother. He stole silver from his mother. She instead responds with blessing. He just confesses it because he doesn't want to be cursed because his mother called down a curse on whoever took the silver from him. All right? He's more fearful of the consequences and not, not that he sinned against God and sinned against family. Okay? But she responds by, by blessing her son. His mother is soft on sin. She also led him to worship idols, which resulted in Micah then influencing his family in that way. So his mother influences him in a negative way, and then Micah influences those in his own family family he leads them astray leads them into idol worship okay but his mother she made idols for worship micah follows in her footstep he has a shrine built in his house he has it he has it in his house he has a homemade ephod made the garment to be worn by the high priest in the holiest place in the tabernacle. And he also had numerous household gods. He even made one of his sons, a non-Levite, a priest. What is going on in this house? Well, to better understand the actions of Micah and his mother, we should look no further than Judges chapter 17, verse 6. The author of Judges tells us, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. At this time, people were, were without a king, and, and they instead lived as if they were the king, and, and they did what seemed right to them. Does that sound familiar? There was individual evil. There was evil within the family. There was also spiritual evils. That's point number three, the evils in the religious community. Look at Judges 17, 7. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. And he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. 
So here we have more from Micah. We're going to find here, we're going to see that not only was he a negative influence on his family, not only was his mother a negative influence on him, not only was he a negative influence on his family, but he is also going to be a negative influence on the religious community as well. Verse 9. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I may find a place. Now, there is a word used multiple times here that we really need to pay attention to because it's significant. It's the word sojourn. Notice it's used several times. It means to live as a stranger in a foreign place. This Levite is not where he's supposed to be and is not doing what he is supposed to be doing. The word tells us this Levite was, was misplaced, right? He's, he's wandering in places where he shouldn't be. We learn in Scripture that this group of people were called to live in a particular place and trusting God to provide for them out of what was given from their people. Barry Webb in his commentary on Judges says this. Look at this quote. The Levite's situation and behavior are both abnormal. According to Joshua 21, the Levites had been allocated cities to live in with adjacent pasture lands for their livestock. The family of Aaron were to serve as priests and the rest of the Levites were to assist them. In addition to the income from their pasture lands, they were supported by the tithes of their fellow Israelites. So why was this Levite seeking employment? The willingness to accept Micah's offer shows that he either had no idea what was normal or have no regard for it. I argue in favor of the latter. This man just didn't care. He's living by his own rules, attempting to carve out his, his own life for himself, on his own, in his own strength. Why? Verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We will learn later in this story that this man is an opportunist. He goes where the money is, and he compromises his, his position as a Levite in exchange for cash. Look at verses 10 through 13. Micah said to him, Stay with me and be to, be to me a father and a priest and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. He's offering him wealth. We, we said last week this is a wealthy family. And the Levite went in and the Levite was content to dwell with the man and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as priest. Mike, Micah takes advantage of this Levite showing up at his door by offering for him to serve as his personal household priest. Even though he had made one of his sons priest, this guy's a Levite. He's a little step up from that. Micah wants God's favor to himself and what he believes is if he has the right people in the right place, God will be obligated to bless him. He is treating the one true and living God as some Canaanite idol. God will not be treated in this way. 
He's not some lifeless, useless, man-made thing. We're told in Psalm 115.3, God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. No one forces His hand. It is foolish for Micah to think otherwise. He thinks he's been favored by God for the Levites showing up at his door and believes employing him in his home will bring more favor upon him when the truth of the matter is both he and this Levite are on the outs with God. They are. They're trying to worship the right God in the wrong way, as we said last week. Some believe they have the favor of God when good things happen to them in life. When in all actuality, they have been rejected by him. Micah is not God's man, his appointed servant who is loved and favored by God, and neither is this Levite. Do not think that your status in life and whether you have health and wealth is a sign that you're in right standing with God. You must look at God's word and ask yourself, is my life aligned with his biblically? We know where Micah and this Levite stand by their actions here. While they are doing well financially, they are doing poorly spiritually. Micah pitches the idea of the Levite being his household priest, and the Levite jumps at the opportunity. Doesn't think twice about it. They lack convictions. They're worldly opportunists. When religious leaders compromise what they know to be true in God's word for the sake of status and opportunity and influence and earthly riches, the church and society as a whole suffers as a result. We see that here at the end of Judges. When someone comes to me and asks what our response is, Leaders should be, when times get tough and our days get dark, the response is simple, faithfulness. We must be faithful, no matter what. No matter what, we must not compromise what we know to be true biblically. We must not give up. We must not give in. We must remain faithful. You're going to be encouraged this week to simply do that, believers. In your study guide this week, be sure and be going through that. Monday through Friday, you're going to be encouraged to remain faithful no matter what happens around us. No matter what direction the world goes, we're to remain faithful. Faithful to the Word of God. Scripture tells us, Christian history shows us that a faithful few, by the grace of God, can make a huge impact in God's kingdom story. Just like Micah, through his disobedience, made matters much, much worse. Christ's followers committed to faithfulness make a huge impact in this world for Christ. Last point. We have seen how individual evil, familial evil, spiritual evil bring about the downfall of society. Now let's end by talking about the evils in society. And we're really going to camp out here. Turn to Judges chapter 18, verse 1. In those days, there was no king in Israel. That's going to continue throughout the end. People are acting as their own king, doing what they feel is right. Explains the wicked acts of the people of Dan to follow here. We're going to be introduced to them. Let's keep reading. And in those days, the tribe of the people of Dan 
was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in, for until then no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. A little bit about the people of Dan. They were a wicked and unfaithful people, we learn from Scripture and Judges. Remember, at the beginning of the book, while the other tribes of Israel defeated their enemies, but only, only in part, they failed to drive them out completely, we learn that the Danites were, were driven back. They failed completely. They were unable to even occupy the land they were seeking. God promised to provide land for them and work in and through them. They failed to trust in God. They went about it in their own strength and they failed miserably. We're told all the way back in Judges chapter 1, verse 34, the Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. So while the other tribes partially fulfilled, which is really a, a, a total unfulfillment, right? They, they uh, failed completely, right? Partial obedience is complete disobedience, but they, they, they partially pushed people out of the land. They allowed some to remain, the Danites. They failed completely, and they're left homeless. They were confined to the hill country. They were forced to live a nomadic existence in the mountains. They failed to be faithful to the Lord. And so what do they do after that? What most disobedient people do, they went their own way, apart from and opposed to God. They made their own path. They carved out their own existence apart from God. And we have some of their story here. Instead of Trusting God and taking the land He promised them, they failed to trust God. They were pushed back and they went their own way. In Judges 18, we learn that all the Danites were like Micah. They have an idolatrous view of God. They're either ignorant of or completely indifferent toward what God's Word had said about them and to them. They, they do what many worldly and godless people do who are living their lives apart from and opposed to God they seek out counsel from the godless on how they are to live. They seek out the wrong counsel and they continue going in the wrong direction. Look at verses 2 and 3 of Judges 18. So the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of their tribe, from Zorah and from Ashtal, to spy out the land and to explore it. And they said to them, Go and explore the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. They're all ending up at Micah's house. And they lodged there. Not a good place for anyone to lodge, right? Especially the godless seeking answers. Like I said a moment ago, the godless are often drawn to people like them to seek spiritual counsel from them. I tell this to people all the time. If you're in true need of counsel and you go to someone who tells you what you want to hear, you got bad counsel. Okay? Unfortunately, many seek out those who agree with them, who tell them exactly what they want to hear. Those in error often seek blind guides on matters of truth. And guess what? Those blind guides lead them further and further and further from the truth. That's what we have here. Look at verse 3. 
when they were by the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of a young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? Shouldn't have been there, shouldn't he? In this story, we have a religious leader in the wrong place, involved in the wrong activity, helping an idolatrous and wicked family and a displaced and godless people. Welcome to the book of Judges, folks. Messed up. A messed up story. And they asked this godless Levite, what is your business here? And he said to them, this is how Micah has dealt with me. He has hired me and I have become his priest. That was not okay, but the Danites don't care. They're fine with it. They said to him, inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out will succeed. They would have listened to God, sought counsel from his appointed people. They would have known that they were not in the right place and not doing the right thing. They don't seek answers from him. They don't seek advice from his appointed people. They go to the godless to receive counsel and and notice the answer they're given. Look at verse 6. And the priest said to them, go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. You're doing fine. God wants you to have what you want. His will is for your will to be done. That's the counsel they're given. Bad counsel. But what do you expect from a family priest, right? We have a lot of this type of counsel being given today. So many Religious leaders telling the wicked and the wayward there are many religious roads that lead to God. And guess what? You're on one of them. Good job. Keep going. You're doing just fine. You're you're okay. That's what this, this Levite priest is saying to the wicked Danites. Go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. Continue to live as you're living. Continue to do what is right in your own eyes. You're under the eyes of the Lord. Now the truth is, they were under His eye, right? The Lord knew what they were up to. He knows everything. But their journey and their activity was not favored by God, but was apart from and opposed to Him and would end in their ruin and God's judgment. Do you know that When the tribes of God's people are listed out in Revelation 7, there's one missing. You know what tribe's missing? Take a wild guess. Dan's missing. They have an idolatrous view of God. They ignore His word. They go their own way. They perish as a result. There are many on this path today. Believers, what are we to do about it? We know people on this path, right? What are we to do? What's to be our response? Hopefully the opposite of the Levite. We're we're not to tell them, go in peace. The journey you're on is under the eye of the Lord. We're to tell them, forsake your way. Repent. Give your life up and over to the King of glory. Fall at His feet. Trust in Him alone for salvation. What was Jesus' message? Repent or perish. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The Levite fails to do this, and the Danites continue in disobedience. 
when the wicked and the wayward are encouraged by those in leadership to continue down the wrong path, guess what happens nine times out of ten? They continue down the wrong path. Look at verse 7. Then the five men departed and came to Laish. and saw the people who were there, how they lived in security, after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing that is in the earth and possessing wealth, and how they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. And when they came to their brothers at Zorah and Ashtal, their brothers said to them, What do you report? They said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. Will you do nothing? Do not be slow to go, to enter in and possess the land. As soon as you go, you will come to an unsuspecting people. The land is spacious, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is in the earth. They follow the advice of a godless leader who is uncalled. They travel to a land that is unpromised. And they come upon a people who are unsuspecting. And they take their land, not because God promised it, but because it was seemingly secure and quiet and spacious and prosperous and pleasing to their eyes. Look good to them, they're going to take it. They, they failed when it came to conquering a, a people and taking a land God had called them to take. But when it came to a place that was pleasing to their eyes, they took it full force. They tried to make it spiritual. We often do this, right? We, we bring God into it when we shouldn't. They said that God had given it to them, but the truth is they pursued this land, conquered these people because it seemed good to them. While they made little effort at obedience to God, they faithfully served the kingdom of self. We see that today, don't we? Many putting little effort to live for God in His kingdom, seeking first the kingdom, but they are seeking the kingdom of self and they are living for their wants, their needs, their desires with with all their might, right? That's the people of Dan here. The Danites were faithful servants of their own kingdom. And their story is one of the saddest in Scripture. They had a promising beginning. They were called by God to defeat their enemies and serve Him in the land He promised them. Instead, they disobeyed God and were defeated by their enemies. And they became like the Canaanites in an unpromised land, serving false gods. And as a result, they perished. What a sad end to this people. Look at verse 11. So 600 men of the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Ashtal and went up and encamped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. On this account, that place is called Mahanadan to this day. Behold, it is west of Kiriath-Jerim. And they passed on from there to the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. They just keep coming back there. Verse 14. And the five men who had gone to scout out the country of Laesh said to their brother, Do you know that in these houses there are an ephod, household gods, a carved image, and a metal image. Now therefore, consider what you will do. And they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite at the home of Micah and asked him about his welfare, deviant, 
They're coming acting as friends with the plan of, of robbing them blind. You see, when everyone is living for self, living by the worldly mantra, if it looks good, take it. If it feels good, do it. No one has any true loyalty to anyone but themselves. Those closest to you will con you, swindle you, completely rip you off if it is in their best interest to do so. That's what life was like in the period of the judges, and that's what, what life is like for many in our world today. Micah lived his life in this way, and, and we see here that he influenced others to live in this way as well. In Judges 17 and 18, we see individuals living in this way, religious leaders living in this way, an entire group of people living in this way, and society suffers as a result. Let's keep reading. You're like, please, no, no more. A little bit more. Look at verse 16. Now the 600 men of the Danites, armed with their weapons of war, stood by the entrance of the gate, and the five men who had gone to scout out the land went up and entered and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, while the priest stood by at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men armed with weapons of war. And when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? And they said to him, Keep quiet, put your hand over your mouth, and come with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Similar request that Micah makes. They said, is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man, or to be a priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel? Actually, none of those were better. None of those options. Both were in violation of God's law. A priest was not to serve an individual in his or her house, right? And not a household only, nor one tribe in an unpromised land. But it matters not to the people of Dan and to Micah and this Levite. They're just making up their own rules as they go along. Verse 20, and the priest's heart was glad. You see, he's an opportunist. He makes decisions in ministry based upon the pay and the perks. I tell young pastors never to make decisions on where you go and serve based upon those things. You need to go where God calls you. You need to go where He has equipped you so He can use you. Go to where the need is, where you feel equipped to meet that need. Go to the place where you're in agreement doctrinally and philosophically. The Levite seems... Concerned with none of these things. Only how much will I be paid? And how much will it benefit me? Verse 20. He took the ephod and the household gods and carved and the carved image and went along with the people. So they turned and departed, putting the little ones and the livestock and the goods in front of them. When they had gone a distance from the home of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house were called out, and they overtook the people of Dan. And they shouted to the people of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, What is the matter with you that you have come with such a company? They're like, You're going to come at us, Micah, with your crew? And he said, You take my gods. That I, that I made and, and the priest and go away. And what have I left? You see, that's where all his hope lies. 
How then do you ask me? What is the matter with you? And the people of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows fall upon you, and you lose your life with the lives of your household. They threaten him, don't they? Then the people of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his home. Why on earth do we have this account here? You have a wicked household set against a wicked people. Micah has a house filled with idols and a godless Levite violating God's law, serving as a household priest and a disobedient and rebellious people who have robbed Micah of his gods and his priest. And the two are now ready to go to war with one another for this uncalled priest and these fake gods. Why do we have this? The author of Judges is showing us how far these people had strayed. Starts with an individual and then a house and then, then religious leaders and then it moves out to society. When individuals in a religious community go astray, so do the families in that religious community and so does the religious community and society as a whole. That's what's happening. Look at verse 27. But the people of Dan took what Micah had made and the priest who belonged to him, and they came to Laesh to a people quiet and unsuspecting and struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. And there was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no dealings with anyone. They were defenseless. The people of Dan failed to trust God to bring victory against their true enemies but had no problem picking on the weak and the defenseless. Cowardly. Verse 28, it was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob, and they rebuilt the city and lived in it, and they named the city Dan, after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel, but the name of the city was Laash at first. I love how the author gives us that. You see, they tried to put a positive spin on what they're doing. Do you see that? But the truth of the matter is, they had settled in an unpromised land, with an uncalled and disqualified Levite to serve fake gods. That's the reality. But they renamed the city Dan. No, it's Dan now. After their ancestor who was born to Israel, but the city, the city was still Laish. Still Laish. They tried to put the right titles on things, but guess what? That changed nothing. Changed nothing about what's going on. You will often see certain religious groups and cults who put good titles on things. They'll say, we're Christian. We believe in Jesus. But when you unpackage their beliefs and practices, you learn the opposite. They're in fact anti-Christian. While they kept the title Dan, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, they more mirrored the Canaanites than the people of God. This is how society falls apart, folks. Think about how far 
God's people have digressed from the beginning of this book. They have gone from obeying God and taking the land he promised and warring with the godless people for his glory to forsaking God and whoring after worthless idols and warring with other wicked people in order to maintain that false system of belief and practice. They have settled in an unpromised land with ungodly priests and imitation gods. It's getting bad, and guess what? It's going to get worse, okay? We have started down the stairs to the basement of Rock Bottom. Next time we're in Judges, We'll take a stroll along the basement floor. Let's end by looking at verses 30 and 31. Important message here for us to end. And the people of Dan set up a carved image for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up Micah's carved image that he made as long as the house of God was at Shiloh. The tabernacle, the true dwelling place of God with man at this time was at Shiloh, but the Danites, they don't care about that. They set up their own unauthorized place of worship. And the reason why is because in this day, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That includes some of Moses' descendants. Do you see that? We're told Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity in the land. We're reminded here, listen, there are no grandchildren in God's kingdom. You realize that? It doesn't matter who your parents were who your grandparents were, how devoted they were to the Lord. It matters whether you are. That's what matters. Sometimes when I talk with people about their faith, they will at times tell me, well, I, you know, I grew up in the church. My parents were, were devout believers. So were my grandparents. And oftentimes I'll, I'll try to turn the attention toward them. But what about you? Have you repented? Have you placed your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation? I want to end today by directing that question toward you. God sent His Son to live and die and rise again so that you, through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, could be forgiven of sin and restored to a right relationship with the living God. Have you you forsaken sin? your sin have you forsaken that path that you were on have you forsaken your way and going at life on your own and doing what's right in your eyes and have you fallen before the feet of jesus in faith have you bowed the knee to king jesus today if not i pray you would right here right now today forsake your sin place your faith and trust in jesus christ alone for your salvation and be saved. Let's pray together.